Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Staffo Thienpont. He's here to talk about how you can market effectively and also market ethically without being an obnoxious spammer. You're going to love this episode. You're going to get some real actionable tips for how you can scale up your marketing plan. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, you've made it to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. I got a special episode today. It's a guy that I've been wanting to talk to for quite a while now, and he's going to be bringing you some heat in the marketing space. I'm sitting down with Staffo Thinpont. He is an expert in marketing. He's an expert in B2B marketing. He is a marketing strategist. He's going to share some of his insights today. He's also killer at LinkedIn. He crushes it at the LinkedIn game. And I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Stafo, thank you for being here today. Uh, it's awesome, man. Uh, it's been a long time coming. We had, I was a little bit difficult to schedule with, <laughs> but I'm uh, super excited to be here. Well, you're no more difficult than anyone else, fortunately. And so I appreciate you making the time. And I, and I really mean what I said. I'm really excited. I see, I know you, you do LinkedIn Live. I know you're active on LinkedIn. Um, I know you're also, man, you're an expert even apart from LinkedIn. So I'm just excited to dig in and really, really get some of your insight today. Awesome. So talk to me a little bit about it. How did you, how did you get into the marketing space? Uh, so this is pretty funny. So, so I was, I, I was a college dropout. Uh, I'm originally from Belgium and I moved to Stockholm to go live in a gym and I trained full time and I was sleeping on the mats uh, for a long time and competing all across the world. And then one day I kind of like said to myself like, okay, so I'm getting better at beating up my friends, but <laughs> what is that really doing for the universe? So I wanted to do, I wanted to like do something where I'm giving back to the universe and to the market. So I looked back at my life to see like the overlap of what, what strangers have been telling me that I'm good at, uh, what I've been, what my parents have been doing, what I've been doing for the past 10 years before that. Uh, and what I figured out is I'm good at systems and as, and at language in the sense of like I can structure text very well. So I figured putting those two together, I would be pretty good at marketing. Uh, so I got into marketing and moved back with my mom, uh, lived in the basement basically for, for a year studying marketing like crazy. Before I knew it, I built this uh, Facebook group with a couple of thousand people. Um, I, was get, I was getting invited to go create content for my favorite author. Uh, I started doing a little bit of work as consultants. Uh, but in Belgium, I, can't, you could, I couldn't actually really start my business because the amount of money I would be getting in would be the same amount of money it costs to start a business, which is like 8,000 euros. So what I did, what I did instead was um, I, uh, I just took the last 1,000 euros I already had in the bank, rented an apartment for two months here in Bulgaria, uh, and started my agency. And then somewhere in the middle between those, uh, I got into like a super secret uh, LinkedIn group with some of the best people at the time on there. And I just picked their brains constantly on how to apply all this marketing uh, wisdom and experience to LinkedIn. And that's where I started to get like, you know, attracting leads on, on LinkedIn, 
learning how to do outreach on LinkedIn, getting like a million views, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and I learned that from all those other really great, great marketers. Uh, and I figured, okay, so the, my core skill at the moment is LinkedIn. Uh, and I do want to sell a service. So I just started doing LinkedIn as a service for um, founders and executives looking to build their personal brand and also generate leads. Mm. Now we have, we have to back up on the story, man, cause you gave me some, you gave me some information that I got to pick apart. So you were, you were in this gym, you're living on the floor basically. And it sounds like you would beat me up if I really, you know, crossed paths with you. Was this, did you just, was fitness just something you fell into? Was it just a hobby? Like, was that something that just made sense at the time? Uh, yeah, I started jiu-jitsu when I was 15. So that's about 10 years ago now. Uh, but I moved it to the gym, I think like four or five years ago. Um, when I was dropping out of college the, the, the two, two times in a row, it was always because, <laughs> I mean, all these professors and whatever, they wanted me to do this and that. And I was always like telling them, okay, but if, if you, you want me to do this, but then how is that going to fit into my jiu-jitsu schedule? You know, so, so the, the jiu-jitsu schedule was always prim, primary for me. So I, and that meant like training in the morning, training at night and doing weightlifting in between. And then if school was supposed to fit in between that, and if it didn't, there was, there was no way I was going to pick school over, <laughs> over anything else. Now, now was, it, was it that college that it just didn't really make sense? Like you couldn't really see how it was really, uh, I guess, contributing to really where you're wanting to go in life? Or what, what was it that the university was missing that you were like, eh, this isn't really for me? Well, so I think I, it actually started in high school. So in Belgium, you, you choose like different courses, let's say. It's, and the course is not the right way, like trajectories. Okay, uh, yeah. And I had chosen the kind of like psychology trajectory, which I really liked, but it didn't really offer any of the hard sciences. So there was no math or very little math, very little science. But then I got a passion for, for science when I was like 18, 19. So I, I went through a science... So I, I signed up for a bachelor in biochemistry and I, it wasn't that I was like not talented at it or something or that I was like, let's say not, not smart enough, but I just had, I was like eight, six years behind because like I had never really learned that. So, so, so that was like, it was not so much fun for me. And, and then the next thing I tried was nutrition and there I had exactly the opposite problem because I had spent so much, so many years obsessing over nutrition. And when I obsess with something, that means I will read all the studies. And so I will read like 10 studies a day until I feel like I figured something out and I'll read like the best of the best. And my thing there was, I didn't feel like the professors were up to date. So, so they would agree and disagree with me on everything, but they were the one scoring my grades, not the, not the other <laughs> way around. I remember this, this one time, um, I was, so, so we were like, it was like class. And it was, it's a miracle I even was in class. It was probably like one of those classes you have to be at. And I read like this line where it said like, okay, it's recommended to only eat like three eggs a week or one egg a day. Or I think it was three a week. So I raised my hand. I'm like, okay, so that's, that's total bullshit. Have, what, what, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> why is this here? And they're like, yeah, that's because eggs have a lot of cholesterol. I'm like, okay, yeah, but it's been proven that dietary cholesterol doesn't actually impact blood cholesterol, like, almost at all. And they're like, no, 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 it totally does. And then I pull up my phone. I'm like, look, here's a, meta, here's a meta-analysis. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but you can't really trust uh, meta-analysis. It's, it's not the strongest proof. 
okay, here's a meta-analysis of all the meta-analysis that have ever been done. So basically, and, and this is how they've like done the science and, and everything. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, it's like this in the book. And so I go to the first page. They, f- they wrote the book. And I was like, yeah, yeah. what am I doing here? Like, you are, here's the deal. Time. I've been a high school teacher. <laughs> I've been a college instructor. <laughs> you are that student that makes our lives hell. Not because you're not because you're a punk, but because you just you you know your stuff and you're excited to like know information and you're also it sounds like you're very comfortable. Uh, challenging sounds like the wrong word, makes you sound like you're rude. But I mean, just no, I am. You have, you have no you have no issue being like, hey, that's actually not what is accurate. Yeah. Um, now you, I am a little bit rude. <laughs> that's some common feedback. <laughs> so. Oh, <laughs> now is it is it just because you're so? straightforward or are you just actually you're just like yeah i'm just a rude person uh no i have a passion for the truth and yeah, i think okay. that's that's like my number one value is i think we should always be aiming to get closer to the truth and i i think it's very important to be nice to people and i i'm as nice as i possibly can but one level higher in my hierarchy of values is truth yeah when I would imagine, you know, and I don't know how much you run into this, but especially like in the marketing game, it's easy for a founder to get really even like looking at marketing in general for them to get really crosswise with what they need to be focused on and even really struggling to understand the data correctly. I would imagine that that value of truth serves you really well in your agency. Mm. Yeah. And especially what I noticed in the beginning when uh, hiring was and I, I have a really great team um but in the beginning sometimes there was the urge on some other team members to say okay apparently this part is not working so well but nobody's complaining so let's just leave it and then i i could i couldn't really deal with that like the that was just, for me that was like okay but we're getting money and we're not and we're seeing that something could be better Mm. And not fixing it, that, that is just like totally unacceptable for me. And, and of course, another way of saying truth is results, right? Like mm-hmm. the closer you are to acting in accordance to real reality, the more effective you are. So results come from you being aligned with the truth. Or as, that's how I say it, at least. Well, it's, it's integrity. Like you're, you have built an agency out of integrity where... You know what, when you, like, I'm, I'm very similar in the sense of when I take someone's money, even if they, even if they, maybe it's naivety, maybe they just don't know any better. If I feel like I'm not delivering in the way that I should be for someone else's dollar, that I have a yeah. problem with that. And, and you know, frankly, just in the digital marketing world, there's not a lot of marketers who have those level of values that you do. I've known a lot of marketers who, um, you know, and I like to joke about it on LinkedIn. I like to poke fun at marketers. I really appreciate, it sounds like, man, you really have a, a, an ethical approach to your business that you really try to do the right thing. That, I think that's a differentiator for your industry. I mean, I, I do my best. It's not always easy because, well, and that's one of the things that's my least favorite part of having an agency is that I cannot take total ownership over the marketing. So what I see so many with almost all the clients is we tell them up front, this is what we need from you. We need to have a really strong persona. We need to have an understanding of the buying committee. We need need you to know your segments and to know how your segment is going to respond to this. 
And they will also need you to take these actions on a weekly basis. And we do all the things that we say we're going to do like very fast. Ready. Okay. But now it's your time to fill in the forms. Where are the forms? Okay. Takes like two weeks to get get in the forms. Okay. So tell me again about the targeting. Why do you think these people are the best ones? Oh, well, you know, that one person from marketing said so. Okay. But how did you validate this? You know, and, and, and what happens is, it's so difficult to give the results that that you promised and that you also know you can bring if the if the client is not playing a ball 100 percent mm-hmm. so so i have this very strong uh, values about like doing everything within my power but then sometimes you're still kind of like forced to take somebody's money without being immediately able to deliver on that because mm-hmm. they, okay so they want your service and they're trying, they're, but they're not enabling you. And, and that for me gives me such big internal turmoil. Cause you know, well, yeah, I, I get it completely. I mean, I've had clients where we've worked together for six to eight months and the needle isn't moving and it's not me, it's them. And, and I've noticed that, and I'd, man, I'd love to pick your brain on this. I've noticed that there are business owners who they'll take the first step of like paying you the invoice, but then the actual work and like the actual walking out of the strategy, I've noticed that business owners, it's, it's that word focus. Like it's so easy to get distracted by all these other things and to go back to, okay, I need to validate this segment. I need to make sure that this offer makes sense. Um, and I've had clients in the past where I've had to say, look, we're just wasting money. Like we just need to end the contract here. Um, you know, how, how have you, do you know any kind of secret sauce to get, customers really focused and engaged? Because it's, it's one of, I don't want to say it's one of my biggest problems. It's definitely something that's always top of mind for me though, is, is this person putting in the work, so to speak, uh, for our contract? Yeah. So I have a couple of things. The first thing is you got to make it as easy as possible for them to do their job. So you got to require them to do the least amount possible. And then what we do is our upsells are basically based on how much effort the client has to do. So more money to, for us is less work for them and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm very clear about this um, upfront. Uh, and the second thing is, so, so what happens is you will, or what I see, and this is not something I've thought, thought about before, but what we try to do is we try to get the basic information first or get the basics first so that we just have just enough to take action. And then the, the next level is a little bit more in depth so that we can perform well. And then the next level of information or the next level of activity we ask them is just like to optimize the final level. So you will, like you said, they will oftentimes take the first action and very often take the second. And then the last part is where it, it gets difficult. But if you just, if you get them 50% along the way, if that is the 20% you need to get 80% of the results, I think mm-hmm. that's like the optimal yeah. situation. So, so I would like, kind of like think about structuring, structuring their involvement mm-hmm. in the sense that you get the most important stuff first. And then another thing is I always get paid before the service. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, yeah. Because you sometimes see you'll have people like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it feels like, I know for me, like those first conversations of like actually setting expectations for them to understand like, hey, what does this partnership really look like? I know that's always been really valuable for me. Yeah. But, but 
you know, like I said, man, I love your approach to business because again, in the marketing world, it's not uncommon, especially in the agency world, it's not uncommon to see a marketer say, well, I've taken your money and now if it doesn't work, it's your fault and that's your problem, which is sometimes somewhat true. (laughs) Sometimes it is their fault, so to speak, but I just appreciate your, um, just your perspective on, on, you know, you called it truth, but again, integrity, you know, and making sure that you're delivering on, on what you've been paid to do. I think that's valuable in any, in, in any industry, but especially in yours. Has that always just been part of your nature, by the way? Has that just been something that since you were a kid, you've just always felt this drive for truth or, or, or where did that come from? That's a good question, man. You did true, true. Uh, I, I I think I've always so like my dad is uh, like a psychologist and and they're like like my dad and my my stepmom and my brother they're all like very science driven it kind of like intellectual type people so they they always like challenge ideas and have a lot of like strong opinions about about like what is what what does it mean to do the right thing and and what does it not mean to do the right thing? I was uh, reading this Marcus Aurelius quote the other day where he where he said like okay from Gladiator is is that no Marcus Aurelius oh the sorry sorry of, uh, <laughs> one of the five good emperors of Roman yeah he you said, know your history better than I do sorry go ahead <laughs> no I was just reading this book it's just total yeah, yeah. I, of course I was reading the book I'm gonna at least know a little bit about it <laughs> so and he said like. To, Basically said, today I'm going to meet people that are going to do me wrong. Uh, they're going to be, let's say, they're going to be assholes. They're going to be rude. <laughs> but that is because they have not thought of what is the what is good and evil, and why you would want to be one of why you would want to be on the side of good and not of evil. But mm. both of us were in the same boat, so we're basically brothers, right? And 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 as my brother, I cannot make distance from them, uh, and I will have to like be patient and have love for them even if they're being bad towards me uh, mm. kind of not really an answer to your question but it no, 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 yeah. reminded me of this um go ahead yeah i would say it's always been it's it's always i've always had a, a strong sense of what i think is wrong and right but i would and i do my best to stay on the right side of what i believe is the right thing to do mm-hmm. but this, uh, like anybody i i I mess up as many times as I do it right. <laughs> well, you, you just mentioned that fantastic quote. Earlier, you talked about the way that how you transitioned into your agency was, uh, and I didn't, really, I didn't really prod at it, but you had talked about kind of like you woke up and it was like, man, what am I really contributing to the universe? And you sort of felt this drive to really contribute your piece. Was, was that... Did that come from, um, I don't know if you're religious, I don't know if you, is it just like in a, it's sort of like this sense of obligation towards one another? Like what, what created now this sort of like this inspiration to um, really do good with your agency? Well, I can, I can tell you what sparked my kind of like need to transition. So I was, I was reading this book uh, from my favorite author, the one I went to do content for later, uh, Jamie Smart. And the book is called Clarity, and I would highly recommend you to read it. It's still my favorite book of all time. And the whole book is basically about how your default state of your mind 
is actually to 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 have clarity and and, and from clarity comes compassion and uh, uh, your ability connect to connect to like your wisdom and your intuition and to to also know which direction you want to go all that comes from clarity and then what happens is things get in the way of clarity so let's say your insecurities that are going around in your head like traumatic experiences you're thinking of things you're stressed about things that you're that you're that you're angry about those all start storming around in your brain and they get in the way of the clarity so when i was reading about this i think for the first time well definitely i i got to a, a mind space where i had clarity and and i just had this moment where i kind of like woke up and i was like okay what am i what am i really doing here you know i mean cuz cuz the thing is i enjoy i enjoy training I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have become a world champion, uh, but I but I enjoyed it, and I could have figured out a way to make money off it, probably. Although I didn't at that point, but I was just kind of like, okay, imagine imagine that I do become a world champion. What is the best possible thing that could come from that? And from my estimation, would would be that I inspire other people to do the same. So it's like this self-contained game that you're playing, right? So it's it's basically like a pyramid scheme, like. <laughs> like, because that's always what you hear the world champions in my sports say. You know, I want to inspire people to do jiu-jitsu. Okay, but then you just have more people doing jiu-jitsu. And jiu-jitsu is great for you. It brings great mental clarity for sure. And it's, it's, great, it's great for getting in shape, self-defense, teaches you how to think differently. It's so useful. But, but that for me felt like such a small game because I've never thought of like, Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos or any of those people, I've never thought of them as, 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 some, uh, as some sort of an alien that's vastly different. You know, I've always thought of them like, I'm a person, they're a person. So if they can get this level of performance, I, I've never really seen any reason in my mind why I couldn't get to some, some, some similar level in whatever field I want to choose, right? So I was like, okay, I could be doing the Mark Zuckerberg stuff or I could be here beating out my friends. <laughs> so what am I going to do? <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so, you know, putting your agency together, you know, talk to me a little bit about, you, you sort of, you talked about how marketing kind of just ended up making sense. You know, what's it been like, especially, you know, man, you're such a force on LinkedIn, but I also know your expertise is even beyond LinkedIn. What's it been like running your agency, especially in the marketing world? Well, the thing is, uh, running an agency is very stressful. That's what the, <laughs> I mean, it, I'm sure like if my, if Kurt Mergadante, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, he was I'm just sure. on a, we have a local radio show that's like incredibly well known and um, he was just on their show. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but I haven't talked to him other than that, other than just listening. I was like, hey, I know that guy. So <laughs> he's been on my show a couple of times as well. He's cool. my friends. And yeah, he's cool. I'm sure if he would listen to me, he would say like, oh, it doesn't have to be stressful. But he he shut down <laughs> his agency though. So I, so I think there's some, seems to me there's something inherently stressful about it because you have a lot of people talking to you at the same time. You know, like you have your clients right. complaining right. about about so, some part of the service. You have your, then they might complain about something your team did. Then your team complains <laughs> about something the client did. Then the two, the, their team talks, comp starts complaining about tools. So that the tools complain about the team. And I've had all of those situations happen like a million times. So, so on that, so it's for sure, like 
like if you're out there listening to this and you're, you haven't started a business and you're thinking, yo, I'm going to start an agency, I wouldn't really recommend it personally. <laughs> but um, on the but you, other hand... You have to know what you're getting into, right? Yeah, like, I, I feel no like... Idea. Well, and, and I don't mean to interrupt you. It just, it feels like when we talk about entrepreneurship, when we talk about agency life, man, it feels like, it feels like we've made it way more sexy than it really is. And I yeah. see a lot of people, especially people who've quote, like they've made it. What they do is in, in literally one sentence, they say, I was working a minimum wage job to now making millions of dollars. And it's amazing. I love it. And so like the person who's never been an entrepreneur who's stuck in their nine to five, why wouldn't they be excited about that? Why wouldn't they be motivated about that? But then you get into it and it's like, holy crap, this is, this is like the most stressful, miserable thing I could have ever done. I mean, it's, it's just interesting how there's, it's like there's two different conversations happening about this. And so I feel like what you're talking about is like the real, it's the real grind of entrepreneurship. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you know, just as well as me that it's the public conversation is, 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 um, the public conversation is ruled by sound bites, sound bite oh device, my gosh. you know. That is, and like, that what you just said is a great sound bite. That is so true, man. Absolutely. Oh shit! I'm gonna post this on my own <laughs> thing. Uh, <laughs> no, but you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Because wow, uh, you just have oh hustle, hustle, hustle. Oh, stop complaining. Oh, move out of your parents' house. Like, <laughs> all this dumbass advice. Like, I mean, I'm not that. I gotta get flagged for that. It's not dumbass advice, but it's 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 not very contextualized, you know. Yeah. It's like oh, then you have people like you gotta work super hard, and then you have the other people like no, you gotta work smart, and then the, then the the, the the snobby ones are like no, you gotta work hard and smart, and yeah. and and then nobody's gonna tell you what either of those looks like. Yeah. Uh, like one of the startups I'm I'm advising uh, is uh, Polygon, really cool startup, and. The, the I, I get along with the founder really well, so I'm I'm an advisor for their company. And I posted something on this uh, on his Instagram story the other day where he said, um, so so it was like some CEO doing a speech for other executives, and and he said like, here's how you know if you're doing your job, if you're like working till two in the morning every day, if you're getting estranged from your family, if you're, if, if, if you, if you, if you're like, you know, like all these super crazy symptoms of having this crazy unhealthy lifestyle. And, and then that is the symptom of working hard while, while, and, and that, and, and, and then somehow that becomes equated to productivity and they're just like totally unrelated. Like productivity is how many results can you create in how much time or how many outputs or outcomes do you create per input? So it's, it's literally the exact opposite because if you could do one thing that has five outcomes, it's better than, than doing five things to get one outcome, right? Mm-hmm. I went a little rant there, but yeah. No, I mean, I think you're spot on, man. Like we've, we've, it's like words have lost their meaning. And so we say hustle and then you find the, and I, I mean, I see it all the time, especially with not even the young business owner, but really all levels where do they are working till 2 a.m. They are working the 80 hour weeks, but you know, my philosophy has always been if you're working 80 hour weeks and your business is not successful, it means that you're, excuse me, it means that you're dysfunctional. Yeah. But a lot of times we see this advice that's like, get after it and grind and, you know, these really fluffy motivational lines that, that, man, I think, I think 
today it feels like it's harder than ever to be an entrepreneur because you, it's so hard to separate the, frankly, noise from the actual real good advice that someone needs to know. It's tough. Yeah. I was talking to somebody on my podcast yesterday, Jean Bonafont. You should invite him. He's, he's awesome. Uh, and we were talking and I said, these days, a good marketer is somebody that creates good content and a great marketer is somebody that creates more content, you know? So, so, and that's as far as, as, as the public conversation about marketing goes. It's like, you got to create content. And if you want to be great, you got to create more content. And that's just like the whole thing. And it's just the content. I mean, I've built my whole business off creating content for myself and others, but it's, it's just such a tiny top of the funnel thingy, you know? Mm, like, yeah. Well, we're, we're running out of time. I want to make sure I ask you this one question. For, for lead generation especially, since that's a sweet spot of yours, does the, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners can relate to this, does the cold inbox message work? Because I get messages, hey, you know, it's great to meet you. Are you happy with your business? Do you have time on Tuesday for a 10-minute phone call? Schedule here. And I'm like, man, I feel like you're going in for the kiss and I haven't even, <laughs> we haven't even got on the first date yet. And it feels like as I'm talking to a lot of people, they have similar feelings that it doesn't really work. But since you're the Legion expert, I mean, I would love to know, does it work? And if it doesn't, what can people do to actually create successful lead generation on LinkedIn? It works if all your other stuff is in order. So if you know who you're talking to, if you know how they're thinking, what it is that they need, if you have something that you can offer them for free, that's a value. If you, rec- if you have product market fit and your product actually solves the problems of your targets, yes, it, it definitely works. If you would get a cold message from, from my company, you would probably not realize it's automated because it would be fine-tuned to the needs of you and a select group of very similar people. And that's is, I mean, I just uh, we just ran a new campaign last week. One of our clients they did they do keynote speaking. So what we did was we we made sure that the event he went to was filled with people that would be good leads for him. That we figured out who went to the events, and that we messaged everybody at the events that had the correct title and the correct segments. We said like, hey, you might remember me from the event I was speaking there. I mentioned this free tool. Uh, if you want, I can send it here. If you need some more explanation, you can book a call here. How many of those people realized that that was automated? <laughs> Probably very little. Uh, right. Out of the 20 people that have responded so far, we just set it up. Um, out of those 25, five people immediately said, Let ha- let's hop on a call. Mm. Uh, and then about 10 people asked positive questions. And then, then, no, more than that even. And then there was two answers unclear. Zero percent negative reactions. Zero. Mm. Not a single negative reaction. And, and a lot of our campaigns go like this because if you know who it is that you're talking to, how you can help them make the conversation make sense, you know, it's like, hey, uh, it, it's me. Uh, do you want to check out my website? It's, it's not, that, that's not the real cold outreach. That's spam. And, spa- <laughs> and, and they're closely related spam and, and cold outreach. You could even say they're pretty much the same thing. But uh, I would argue that if you send somebody a me- like like if you send somebody a message in the same way that you would, if if you had researched everything about them and known them all your life, and and then you would message them 
with something that could help them that that it's not spam at that point at that point you're just really actually trying to help people and, and trying really try to establish new relationships well and I, and I like that word I mean I think I think the people who I've been intrigued by in the sense of like I've responded to it felt like their message was genuine like it it wasn't generic it wasn't it didn't feel automated man I even had a woman one time who sent me one of these automated messages and the name was wrong. It was like, hey, Carl, yada, yada. And I was like, okay, this must have just been sent to Carl. And then later she messaged me and said, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. It was automated. I didn't realize I didn't change the name. And, but I could guarantee her, I, would, I was like, I'm never going to do business with you because you, there's no trust there, right? And it feels like people sometimes, they aren't thinking about how do I build even the smallest shred of trust with someone so that they will hop on a call with me or that they'll, they'll at least have a conversation with me. It feels like a lot of times these cold outbound messages are just take, take, take. Hey, it's yeah. great to meet you. Come book a call with me here. Hey, come do this with me here. Hey, download this for me here. And it's very impersonal. And frankly, it's a little frustrating as a business owner because it's like, oh my gosh, where's a legitimate message in all of this? Yeah, I think a good way of looking at it is like, okay, Am I aligning with my needs or am I aligning with their needs? Mm. Because it needs to be both. If you're mm. just helping them, I mean, you got to run a business. This yeah. is wasting <laughs> your time. If it's yeah. only aligning with you, you're just asking people to do stuff and they have no reason to give it to you. But mm. if you can make a message or a campaign or just like, you know, walk up to somebody at a networking event and you can come at them with something that will help both of you. And that is something that's, you can make it immediately apparent, then that's how you're going to win. Some more soundbite advice right there. <laughs> well, Stavo, this has been an incredible, man, I feel like we've just dug in and we're out of time. This has been so fun. What, what's like the one thing that the listeners can do to engage with you? Where do you want them to go? How do you want them to follow you? Um, what's, what's the one thing for them? I do. It would be so cool if they would check out my, my podcast, which I just launched. Uh, so I, I have a, actually I forgot the URL, but I can send it to you later so you can put it in like the show description or whatever. But yeah. I have a podcast, the TMF Picnic, where I'm interviewing, you know, like world-class entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, uh, sometimes coaches, a lot of really, really good cutting edge marketers. And what I try to do is I try to figure out what is the 20% that they're doing that's bringing them 80% of the results. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea is that the audience will take something out of it so that they can get like, you know, a little bit ahead of the game. Uh, so if anybody would want to check out my podcast, that would be dope. And otherwise, if you have any questions about lead generation, LinkedIn, between marketing strategy, it would be so cool if you would reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I do my very best to respond to everybody. In the, I'm not going to try to like <laughs> sell you anything. Just send me your questions. I'm going <laughs> to do my best to help. Well, this has been awesome, man. And for the listeners, I will make sure I put those links in the episode description. Stafo, thank you for being here today. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, I'll just uh, send you a link if you want to be on my show as well. It would be nice to have you on. Yeah, that'd be great. This conversation. It'd be great. For the listeners, thanks for checking out the episode. Make sure you hit that subscribe button because, hey, we got all sorts of amazing guests on this podcast, just like Stafo. And if you really enjoyed this episode, which why the heck wouldn't you? This episode was awesome. You need to leave us a five-star review. That's all we got today. We'll catch you later. Have a great weekend.